Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Well, hello and welcome. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and this is Cure for the Common Life podcast. I'm really, really excited to introduce you to my guest today. But the way I'm going to do it today is maybe a little bit different than uh, the way that I might normally introduce a guest, and that is to tell you a little bit about them and welcome them onto the show. And I'm going to do that. However, I want to share a little story first, and she has no idea that I'm going to talk about this, about just one of her many, many talents and skills, and I'm just going to call this one a blessing that she has, has, has helped me and helped so many other people as well. So I met Kathy, let's say maybe five or six years before this episode that I'm going to tell you, maybe a little bit longer. We've known each other for three decades now. <laughs> and so I'd met her before and she had blown me away with some of the other talents and skills that she does. But one of the things that I will say in leading up to this story is I'm what I call a open-minded skeptic. And what that means is I'm I'm super open-minded to everything and things that are unexplainable in layman's terms and normal ways. However, I do like to have my own personal experiences and my own proof and maybe even some science behind it. And so when somebody tells me that they have a gift of, let's just say, intuition or being able to connect and, and, and operate at a different level than other people, then I certainly don't deny them, and I certainly don't uh, say that it's not true. I just hadn't, hadn't had uh, too many real in-depth experiences. And so, again, I met her you know, five or six, maybe seven years before this date. But the date was, I know the date uh, because it's with me for the rest of the, my life, the date was November 19th, 1999. And I was driving home. I was in Texas. I, I lived in, in California, but I was in Texas. And I was driving back to my mother's house. And I get a phone call from Kathy. Now, incidentally, I hadn't talked to Kathy in probably two years. You know, And, and if we did, it, this was way before texting. So this is 1999. If we did, it was a short conversation. And so I get a, com- I get a call from Kathy. And Kathy says, hey, Joseph, I don't know what this means. And I was just talking, I was just thinking about you because you came into my mind, but your mom came into uh, onto my mind and she gave me a message. I don't know what this means, but I'm just going to tell you. She said, she's okay now. And she was in the room when she left and saw you. And I had to pull the car over and I sat and I cried because about an hour and a half before I sat by my mother's bedside and watched her take her last breath. And uh, it was very painful. It was very emotional thing for me and my family. And I, you know, I cried out when she, her heart stopped and that was that. And so 
I remember after that, I wondered where she was now. And Kathy had no idea that that had happened. I hadn't spoken to her in a couple of years. She didn't, I don't even think she knew my mom was sick. And I share that with you because that was obviously a very emotional thing for me, but it was one of those things that got me really, really clear on that there are other forces and there's other things that we don't understand that are not common for, for most of us. And Kathy has a gift and that is not her only gift. Uh, she has several gifts. So I share that with you because this woman that I'm about to introduce you to is obviously very special in my life and has for, has been for many, many years. Hopefully she's going to tell a little bit about you know how she got that gift and where it came from, a little bit about herself. But one of the things that I'll tell you about her is she's a delightful woman who is one of her goals and callings in life is helping other people get the best out of themselves and making their journeys easier as well. She was comedian of the year for several years in a row. She has a unique skill, a unique talent, and her name is Kathy Buckley. Kathy, thank you for being on on my show. Are you kidding? Where else would I be? <laughs> I'm in quarantine. That's right. I want you to understand something. I'm not psychic, number one. Yes. But when you love somebody, Joseph and I heart connected from day one. And it doesn't care what shape or size we are. The heart never denies the familiar space in life. And it's like we've met many times before. But I never forget that day because your mother came to me, who I never met. Yeah. Yeah. I adored her soul. I adored her spirit. And her thing was to comfort her son. And I didn't know she was sick. I I thought she had passed long ago or something. I didn't know. But... um, I'm grateful because a lot of times I don't answer the calls, but it was mm. love somebody, you give it to them and let them do what they want with it. Right, right. And I remember you saying that, you, and you preframed it by saying, Joseph, I don't know what this means. I'm just going to tell you, and you do with it what you want. And by the way, you, you might not know this, but I sat on the side of the road and I wept for another hour. But it was, it was tears of joy because I felt she was safe. She was in a great place and everything. And so, Kathy, share with us a little bit about your humble beginnings, a little bit about you, kind of your, your backstory, because it's, it's fascinating, to say the least, and okay. what brings you here. In short, layman terms, I guess you can say, I was born R.H. Factor, had uh, spinal meningitis, I lost my hearing, I was um, uh, in school for retardation for several years, I was being molested in my own home. I was run over by a Jeep, a lifeguard Jeep. Talk about not knowing what your job description is. <laughs> and I was laid up for five years. I was in and out of a wheelchair for two and a half years. And then I had cancer twice. Wow. And I can't fill out a bra for the life of me. It <laughs> <laughs> really gets me every time. <laughs> and Kathy, when I met you, I met you. We went to our friend, uh, Tony Robbins, and a group of people. And I'm not sure if it was planned, but it was uh, just one of those happenstances. We went to a uh, comedy club in San Diego, and you literally had all of us on the floor crying, laughing. And then you jerked our hearts (laughs) around. And uh, so share with us about that. Because, uh, again, you have many, many talents. But tell us a little bit about what brought you there and and that gift you have as well. Well, I think, like you said, it's a gift. You know, comics will go, how do you get your timing down? How did you get this? How do you get that? I don't know what timing is. 
I don't know what happened to stuff. I remember when I very first started in comedy, it wasn't it was a dare for a contest to help wow. raise money for kids with cerebral palsy. And I was all about giving to the kids, giving back. I knew nothing about comedy and I never forget that first night on stage, people came up to me and said, You killed them going, Oh my god, oh <laughs> you, know, you brought the house down. I didn't touch anything. I was on the stage. <laughs> All these slang words that uh, hearing people were using and I didn't understand them. But uh, what really got me in my life is that I found when you go through so much in life, nothing's that serious. Wow. Life's not that serious. Life is nothing more than a bunch of challenges that will come into your life. And it's up to you to find your strength to overcome it. It's up to you to take a challenge as an opportunity to learn from and grow. It's not a place to become a victim in this planet. You know, in our Father Prayer, it says, as heaven on earth, you get to make your heaven on earth. You create it. You don't have to wait until you get die and go to heaven, you know, and you have to live it while you're here. So when I started doing comedy, I was doing my comedy. I was the first deaf comedian. I was traveling all over the world, you know, doing my thing. And then they wanted me to do, because I was the first deaf comic, all these parents were calling me and writing me because they have deaf children and they don't know what to do with them. I said, get rid of them. They're no good. (laughs) So I started becoming an advocate for these families. Mm. And then that's when I started, because there's nothing more. My parents didn't know what to do with me. I was in school for retardation. Well, mentally slow, as Mm -hmm. they call it today. And nowadays, it still happened today, which is not happened today. It's amazing how people can put labels and judge you and put limitations on another human being, especially when the parents are living in fear for their child and not know where to go. And it's just been different. So for me, I started advocating. And before you know it, I started advocating for people with disabilities, for job training, programming. But there was a book called Windmill, and it was about five inches thick. It was a big book. I don't read. I don't have an education from reading. I graduated from high school with a one-point average. Mm. Nobody bothered to tell me we were collecting points, but that's okay. (laughs) So I got this book, and I'm looking at it. I'm supposed to educate corporations about hiring people with disabilities, and I would get in front of these people, and I would cuss. I would be saying all these swear words because I was scared. I'm in front of hearing people. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. There's a pie shot. The only thing I like was that little pen with the red laser light pointing to the pie right, yeah. you know? And, and I would do that. And, but I didn't know what I was talking about. So I got nervous, and they started getting complaint at the company. She's funny, but uh, when she talks about ADD, ADA, she kind of cusses a lot. We can't have that in our company. <laughs> so I got complaints. So the next job I win, he goes, I let you do one more job. I got in front of them, 500 people, and I'm looking at them. I'm supposed to teach them about being comfortable with people with disabilities. I don't see disabilities. I don't see color. I don't see religion. I see the soul of people. And I thought, who more knew about living with a challenge than the me who lived it? So I started sharing my story. Right, right. The book 
had nothing to do with it. And I started opening up my heart and I started sharing. And then that's when I realized that God had put me on a mission. You know, I went through everything to show my appreciation for what I have now. Wow. Which is a training bar. <laughs> and I got to say, your methodology, and, and please share with us, because that, that career and up until COVID, you were telling me earlier that up until COVID, you were still traveling. You were still doing uh, events and things like that. And there's so much more to you than this. But Mike, I have two questions. The first question is the things that you said with regard to, you know, life is a series of challenges and it's up to us to do with it. Where did that mindset come from? Because you have every right. Nobody would blame you if you, if, if you turned out to be bitter and, and sarcastic and pessimistic about things. But where did that mindset come from that, that made you be able to say that, okay, I've been handed these challenges, so what? Let me deal with them and let's make lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. You know, like if, if you're in a bad car accident and you got up and walked away from it, when really you shouldn't have, you know, you should have really died of that accident, but you get up and you turn around and you look at the, uh, the car all smashed and you can't believe that you were actually in that accident. You can't help but to say, thank you, God. Yeah. You know, you can't help. And I used to visualize, you know, that footprint prayer? Yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I used to think of myself that I was in a backpack and I was just hanging off on his back <laughs> because he wants to carry me through so many things. Mm-hmm. And I always thought I wasn't loved. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel accepted. I, I was being pushed around a lot. I was being abused a lot. But when you find out that you are loved, you are loved, not loved, mm-hmm. love. You are the love. Yes. God is my creator. This is just my belief. I don't push it. But if he created me, and I thought, if I gave you, Joseph, the most precious gift that I have that I'm willing to give to you because I love you, and I saw you just throw it over your shoulders like it was nothing, it would hurt. Yeah. It would hurt my heart because I love you so much. But I thought about, I've been disrespecting him. Mm-hmm. My Heavenly Father, I disrespected him by allowing the continuous abuse, by allowing uh, to feel sorry for myself, for allowing. And then, so I made a promise to myself. I will respect the gift that I was given. Oh, wow, wow. And that is the love that came from beyond me and to share that light in the best way possible, whether it's through humor, whether it's through my story, whether it's hugging a stranger on the street, whether it's supporting, opening a door for a stranger, whatever it is, I am here to serve. That is beautiful. And I've known you to be and do that in spades for for many, many years. And Kathy, if you don't mind, I know you had not one, but two. I don't know if the proper term is near-death experiences, but you died on the operating table and another time as well. Share with us a little bit about that and what you brought back from those experiences. Yeah, I've had my last rites given to me several times. I think that's why God made me deaf, so I wouldn't listen to it. You wouldn't it. listen to him, yeah. Either that or God going, you ain't coming up here until you stop appreciating <laughs> what I gave you, young lady. Because <laughs> you know? I think his sister with a big bowl of popcorn going, I know that's my kid, but even I don't know what that one's up to. You know? <laughs> I, I, just, I think he has a fabulous sense of humor. So 
when I got run over by the Jeep, I ran over my face, stomach, chest, and back. So I'd laid up for five years. But on the beach, it was the weirdest thing. I don't talk about this that much. But do you ever have something come to you and say, hey, 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 get out of here. Don't go there. Do you ever have like that intuition that tells you not to do something, something that's your thought? And that is your guide. I believe that's your guide. And while I was laying on the beach, something told me to get off the beach. Something told me to get off the beach. Well, I have a real beautiful friend, Lisa, and she just taught me a song because I don't hear music. And she would sing the songs and I would lip read her. Well, on the radio, the song came on. And I thought, okay, I get off the beach after I hear this song. And I was trying to visualize Lisa's lips and what the words were with the beat and the bass and all of that. So I'm laying there and all this sudden I felt all this pressure on my face. And it was wet. And I could see that the Jeep had run over me. The unfortunate part was that someone was yelling to let the lifeguard know that she ran over me. And she couldn't hear that person, so she came back and did it the second time. What, and, say, say that again? And then, I'm the deaf one, not you. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I got it. She, I, 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 I never knew that, that that happened. Yeah, so she came back to listen to this person, and she didn't know she'd run me over, so I got her a double chat. So wow. when that happened, everything just turned into this amazing, amazing blue, a blue I yet to see in this earth. I've never been a color for blue. It was never really my, like my favorite color. And this incredible blue. And I was watching this little old man walking down the beach. There was nobody on the beach. And he came up, and he had a long robe, long beard, just on my stomach. And he says, Catherine, this isn't going to hurt. You're going to hear a loud pop. Well, he put his hand over my nose and he pulled it and it popped. I actually heard it. And he said, everything's going to be all right. He said, everything's going to be all right. And when he said that, he went to walk away and I'm engulfed in this blue and this brightest, whitest cloud came toward me and out of the cloud came a hand. And it was this beautiful hand. I couldn't tell you if it was a man or a woman. At first, I thought it was my cousin Mary Lou who had passed away because she had gorgeous hand. And then the hand turned and I couldn't tell. It was just perfect. It was a beautiful hand. And it wasn't like a conversation, you know. It wasn't like you don't die and go to heaven and you see God with a robe on and go, oh, God, nice robe, lose the sandal. It's not happening, you know. It's, it's not a conversation. It's a no. You are home. And so the hand, I remember going, no, I'm not ready yet. I remember I got to make a choice as to whether I wanted to go or stay. Wow. To me, that is what love is, is giving the gift of choice. To respect people enough, whether it's the right choice or the wrong choice, it's their journey. Let them know. And that's the gift that it gives us, the gift of choice, unlimited. You make a bad choice, you make another one, rectify it. But when I came through, the paramedic already had a board on me, they had a brace on my neck, they had everything on me, but they couldn't get my left hand to come back down. Wow. And so I brought my hand down and they strapped me into the board. So I spent the first 20 years of my life looking for three things, love, warmth, and acceptance. 
But when I die, I know what love is. It's totally unconditional. A womb and knowing that I am protected and acceptance, totally unconditional as I am. And then at that fourth gift, that gift of choice, a choice, you love me enough to let me make a decision whether I would go home or not, or you're just hoping I say no because you don't want to have room for me right now. And deal with you up there. Yeah, I ain't putting up with this until you can clear this out first. So giving people a choice without judgment, I think it's a beautiful gift to give someone. And you said you came back from that and the other experience with, a, let's just say, a new, um, a new gift. I came back with many new gifts. Mm-hmm. I came back with learning about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I came back with learning to not expect no expectations on people because I always thought that people, I thought as a person with a disability, you owe me. Right, right. You owe me, you know, for picking on me and making fun of me. You owe me. Not anymore. Nobody owes me anything. I have no expectations from anybody because why? It's just going to set me up for disappointment. Who's the one person I should have expectations from? Me. What do I expect of me? How am I going to look at the situation? How am I going to look at the change? The problem with people is that when something happens in their life, they make a choice, but they don't set up their options to make the choice. They just think they have one or the other choice. There's always more than two choices to a situation. If you look at the whole picture, you set up your options and think about it. Because every choice you make in life, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you. Yes. So you've got to be wise about what you're going to do. So I think coming back, the gift he gave me was to be more observant of what's going on around me. I have a great gratitude for nature. I love it when you say stand in the grass. I do that all the time in the backyard. You know what else I do every morning? Because of you, it's all over my Facebook page. Every morning I wake up and I do my hip movement. Yeah, it's important shaking that ass. It's important. I don't have much of an ass, but I'm shaking whatever it back there. You shake what mama gave you, baby. I know. So, yeah, I've learned so much. Yeah, you you live an uncommon life, to to put it mildly. And you're also doing so much for other people as well. I know you, you, you told me a little while ago that you have a bunch of kids in your neighborhood and they all consider you their aunt. And, uh, yeah. and I know your philanthropy reaches way beyond what most people would think. Well, you know, I have three schools now for low-income families. For their- no, I didn't know that. Please share a little bit. Yeah, wow. I work with them. And um, it's all about giving deaf children spoken language. Wow. So we work with the whole family. It's low-income families that yeah, can yeah. afford these kind of therapy, these kind of uh, things for the kids, education. We're the very first program where all deaf children have graduated from high school and on to college. Wow. Wow. And how long have you been doing that? How long have you had those schools? 25 years. Wow. 25 wow. years, yeah. Amazing. Stepping back a little bit, I shared, I said earlier, you, you won Comic of the Year, Comedian of the Year a couple of times. A little bit about that. I think my biggest award that I won, because I don't read well, is the, um, oh, what do you call it? I forgot now. I'm looking for it. <laughs> I got awards all over yeah, my Yeah, yeah. The Ovation Award. Oh, wow. I did my one-woman show. An Ovation mm-hmm. Award in LA is equivalent to the Tony Award in New York. Yeah. And so I did my one-woman show called Don't Fuck With Me. 
<laughs> so I did that show and I won for best writer. Wow. And I got to tell you something. I was nominated for best actress and writer. I wanted best actress. That's what I wanted. I got best writer for a new Broadway musical is what I got. Wow. When they announced that, the weirdest thing happened. It's like all the teachers from my past, all the people who made fun of me in school and said I can't and never will be able to, were like blown to bits. Yeah. In my mind. And then and I went up on stage. I was so proud. I love that award. It's a happy award. It's got a yeah. here of joy. Oh yeah. Well, they say the best best revenge is is success, and I always say the the, the best forgiveness is success because oh, yeah. that sets you in a place to be able to forgive those. Because you could stay angry at those people and say, "Say, oh, now nah, see, I made it, and that's great." And I think that's where a lot of people operate. But knowing you and knowing you know, and you and I talked about it before with regard to forgiveness, that sets it gives you the choice to be able to forgive yourself and other people as well. Yeah, well, people have to understand. People have a tendency to think that when they have to forgive something, they have to forgive someone. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it's not about forgiving another person. It's about thinking about what happened, what was the incident, what took place, and who you were back then. Yeah, because you're not the same person now. And not the same person. It's not for you to carry on yesterday, today. Oh, nice. And if you want to go forward, you can't skip in life with a ball and chain on the ankle. Wow. So it's, you got to take care of that business. And you got to say, okay, that was me when I was little. As you know, my dad molested me. And we had our journey. I mean, I was never comfortable around men. I was always comfortable around you because you're shorter than me. And I figured I could yeah. <laughs> take me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you changed my life. I don't know if you remember. It was after I did Don't Fuck With Me in L.A., mm -hmm. I had packed up my stuff and went home. And we did Date with Destiny, and I was so confused yeah, that was in that place. It was overwhelming. It was too many lips to read. I, I don't know what they're saying. I was frustrated. Not only that, but everybody knew me as one of Tony's speakers. And so everybody's coming to me, and I'm trying to give something to myself at the same time, pour it out to everybody else. So I guess Tony had told you to take me and talk to me. And we went up to the hotel room, and you asked me a really profound question. And you said, well, who are you today? No, first thing you said was, what was the last thing you did? And I said, I did my uh, one-woman show. And I said, well, what did you do afterward? Well, I packed my stuff up, and I went home. And you said, Kathy, I know you. you. You go on stage, and you give your heart to everybody. He said, you didn't celebrate? And I said, celebrate what? Because what you accomplished. And I said, well, no, I never well, go out and get ice cream. I don't know right. what to do for celebration. I didn't know. I, all I knew how to do was to give. Right. So then the next question was, who are you today? And we sat there with a the paper and pencil. And then we sat there with, and I'm like, well, I'm a good sister. And I realized right from then and there, how can I keep giving to someone until I know who I am? Right. It's that old saying, you're giving out the empty cup. I got to fill me up. Exactly. And that changed my perspective in things. And it also helped me understand better about how to forgive my dad. 
in this mm-hmm. situation. And so it's amazing how people can take one moment of your life and change it for the better for the rest. Yeah. We're gardeners. We plant seeds. What you do with it is how it grows. That old saying that it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Yeah, I love that. I love that saying. It is never too late. And like it says in the Bible, you can't enter heaven unless you uh, like children, become children. Exactly. Well, and God knows I'm just like a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's no time soon. Well, Kathy, a couple things before we go. First off, thank you. And, and please come back again if you don't. Uh, do me the honor of coming back on the show again. Always. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. And I know you're, you're doing some things. I know you have some charities and things like that, but how do people reach you? How do people get in contact with you? Well, you can go to my website, kathybuckley.com. Fabulous. And my, my foundation is um, it's called No Limits for Deaf Children, dot org. Because they won't answer, because they won't hear it. Well, listen, you are an absolute joy. I honor you for not just who you are, but what you're doing and the imprint and that you're leaving here on the planet. Uh, obviously, it wasn't wasn't your time because what you didn't say was you also died on the operating table as well. You were, yeah. you were, yeah. Uh, you've you've been through it, and you are such a shining example of what you said, and that is that life's all about getting those challenges and what you do with them. And for everybody listening, I encourage you to look her up. Now, I know there's there's videos of you on uh, on YouTube and things like that. Please, yeah, sixty five million views. Wow. You got to see this woman. You've got to see her. Is your one man show, one woman show on 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 YouTube as well? No, it's not. It's no, not. Okay, but you, you and everybody, go check her out, and she will make you laugh. She'll make you cry, and she'll change your life. And so, Kathy, I have a question that I always like to ask at the end of this, and that is because I, I hear a lot of people saying, "Well, if you could go back to your, you know, five year old you or your teenage you, what would you say?" I like to put a little twist on it, and that is, if you could go forward to your 10 year older than you are now, what would you say to her? Thank you. Ah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for making the choices you made. Thank you for moving forward in life. Thank you for loving unconditionally. Just think it's the biggest choice I made is to let God in my heart. Nice. And that has saved my life. Nice. Well, Kathy, thank you. And as I say to everybody, remember that life is exactly what you dare to make it, and fortune favors the bold. And the trick to life is to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. So, Kathy, I look forward to you being again on the show, and thank you for your gift of love and that you've given to everybody else. That'd be awesome. And maybe next time we can teach people how to forgive to let go. Let's do that. It's, okay. You've got a date. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of The Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.